Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago is your audio guide through the landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. In 1994, Disney was hard at work on a new theme park. This park, which would open in Virginia, not far from Washington, D.C., would showcase the sweep of American history. The park would be called Disney's America. Michael Eisner, the chief executive at Disney, was determined to capture the complexity of the American experience through history, and to do so in the context of a theme park. He told his Imagineers that the most difficult challenge, quote, won't be to tell important stories about history or to deliver an enjoyable experience for our guests, but to achieve both of these goals without having either one dilute the other. Eisner wanted to walk the tightrope and to, quote, create a day-long experience that makes our guests laugh and cry, feel proud of their country's strengths, and angry about its shortcomings. It's pretty remarkable that Eisner thought that his team could overcome that challenge. Broadly, entertainment falls into the realm of theme parks, while education falls into the realm of museums. This separation might be important. The themed lands at the Magic Kingdom are not historical. They are fantasy. Even Main Street USA, which was designed to evoke Walt Disney's childhood town in Missouri, is, at best, a feeling. When you walk down Main Street USA, you are putting on the rose-colored glasses of a nostalgist and seeing a past that never existed. Disney's America, by contrast, would be split into the following historically-themed lands. Native America, a land which was to tie in nicely with the upcoming 1995 film Pocahontas. A whitewater raft ride would have traveled through the area based on the Lewis and Clark expedition. A section devoted to American ingenuity, featuring a roller coaster called Industrial Revolution which would take us through a 19th century landscape with heavy industry and blast furnaces. A land of the first two world wars, featuring the world's first dueling inverted roller coaster, which would have been named Dogfighter. The ride would have had guests flying through the air in German and American biplane-themed trains and would have featured several near misses. At one point, the German train would have come close to hitting both the floor and the walls of a trench. A Civil War fort with a generic Civil War battlefield and a lake where water battles between the USS Monitor and the CSS Virginia would have been staged as a thrilling nighttime spectacular. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Disneyland proudly presents our spectacular festival. Disney executives like Eisner were brimming with enthusiasm about the project. Here's a headline from the Washington Post on November 12, 1993. Disney says Virginia Park will be serious fun. You get it? Serious fun. It's fun, but also serious. The article goes on to quote Eisner, saying that Disney's America will include, quote, painful, disturbing, and agonizing exhibits on slavery, American Indian life, and the Vietnam War, unlike the fantasy attraction at the company's other parks. Quote, we will show the Civil War with all its racial conflict. My stomach churns just thinking about what Eisner was thinking about. As Washington Post columnist Cortland Milroy distilled it down in 1994, quote, Disney's America is being proposed as a theme park with rides and refreshments. And slavery was hell. 
Peter Rumnell, president of Disney Design and Development, attempted to counter this contradictory imagery by insisting that the company doesn't give a darn about political correctness. Quote, an intelligent story properly told shouldn't offend anybody. But if all we have to look at is the plan of the park itself, the overhead map seems to clearly lay out the flaws of using an amusement format for historical displays. Everything is compartmentalized, as if history happens in a vacuum. Cortland Milroy says that, even just looking at the map, the park appears to recreate the same distortions found in most school history texts. I also can't help see this project as a product of its time. I wonder if the notion of the end of history, that Western liberal democracy was the endpoint of humanity's socio-cultural evolution, was bouncing around in the heads of Disney executives after the end of the Cold War. If America was at its peak, why not explore the stories that led to this point? But maybe the best way to understand why this park was ill-conceived would be to look at how Disney's own designers saw the medium of theme parks. Mark Davis, a Disney animator who worked on Pirates of the Caribbean, realized that he didn't like to tell stories within theme parks. He said, quote, Rides are not a storytelling medium in the sense of a movie, but it does give you experiences. You experience the idea of pirates. Pirates of the Caribbean is a good example because it has a very dark underside that most people miss because of the atmosphere. There is an auctioneer scene where pirates are auctioning off women. But Mark Davis and other designers worked to whitewash the situation. In their words, to atmospherically make it seem like harmless fun. The pirates of Pirates of the Caribbean aren't historical, they're cartoony. It is a ride about the ho-hum, swashbuckling idea of pirates, and not actual pirates or actual events. As much confidence as Eisner had in his idea that the theme park medium could express itself in an educational way and could break free of the pressure to make it just harmless fun, Disney abandoned the idea, and the park never got built. But there is always a push to make the historical and educational entertaining. Just keep the medium in mind while you're walking the tightrope.